Hi, I'm David Green, and welcome back to the Digital HR Leaders podcast. Christmas is just around the corner, and I'm sure that we have all started digging into our favourite chocolate and biscuits brands. Chocolates and biscuits that have most likely been produced by Mondelez International, one of the world's biggest confectionery production companies. Today, we are lucky enough to have Paulette Alviti, Chief Human Resources Officer at Mondelez on the show to talk to us a little bit about the important role the HR function plays in achieving Mondelez's ambitious growth plans. So I, I do think that is probably the, the biggest key, you know, having HR professionals who are really, really wired to what's happening in the local markets and anticipating what's happening. So what is the war for talent in those geographies? What is the going practice of what certain skills are worth? Thinking about whether you want to buy or build those capabilities and depending on where you sit in your market and how much you're willing to invest or how big of a priority those are, thinking through that model. Paula has had a stellar HR career and along with sharing her experience on the invaluable role of the HR function in the FMCG industry, our conversation will also cover topics such as how the role of the Chief Human Resources Officer and HR function has evolved since the start of the pandemic. We'll look at HR's pivotal role in business and digital transformation at Mondelez. We'll look at how to create a culture of equity in organisations who have adopted hybrid working models. And we'll also look at the emerging skills required by HR professionals. And there's a lot more that we'll dig into as well. So grab a biscuit, tune in and let's get started. Paulette, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on as a guest. Before we get in, dive into the conversation, um, could you please share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and your role at Mondelez? Yeah, of course. Thanks, David. Uh, appreciate the invite today. Good, good to see you and be with you. So I'm the uh, Executive Vice President and Chief People Officer at Mondelez International. We're a global snacking leader with, uh, in 2021, our net revenues were about $29 billion. So we're known as a house of brands that hopefully many of your listeners know and, and love, including, I'll name a few here, Oreo, Lou, Belveda, Ritz. Uh, those are some of our biscuit brands, as well as Cadbury Dairy Milk, Milka, Toblerone, some of our chocolate brands. So that's just, just a few. I joined the company back in June 2018, so I'm uh, pushing five years here. I'm responsible for the HR function worldwide and, you know, pretty typical uh, responsibilities, you know, focus on talent management, leadership capability development, big focus on organization effectiveness and change, uh, total rewards, employee relations, and a uh, big focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion. My team's key focus, if I could for a second, just building a winning growth culture. We talk a lot about that here at Mondelez and you know, to help drive our local first operating model, which is the way we talk about how we run our business. Um, and my goal is to help enable our purpose, uh, which is empowering people to snack right. Pretty simple and clear purpose that's been a, a rallying call for all of us uh, around Mondelez, putting our consumers at the front of everything that we do. You know, I've been in this HR field for about 30 years now, and I'm inspired and happy about partnering to, you know, to drive business results through our focus on culture and a really big focus on, on talent. 
Um, we're all about, you know, enabling our, our long-term business goals. My passion has always been around consumer-centric uh, businesses that also win through their people. So obviously that's uh, the connection to uh, HR and human capital for me. Having been a, a chief people officer and, and senior HR leader for, well, over a decade, how would you say the role of the chief people officer has changed since the start of the pandemic? Well, I mean, a lot has definitely changed. And I think it's been a shining moment, if you will, for, for CHROs and for HR as, as a function. You know, we're a, a big global organization. We've always worked in a distributed model. We've got operations in 80 countries. We sell products in more than 150 all around the world. So we're accustomed to managing a big, diverse workforce. So we've got big production environments and traditional offices. So distribution centers to people sitting in, you know, shared spaces now. But the pandemic certainly put a big spotlight on the importance of engagement and how to keep the caring for all of our people and the camaraderie that makes what we do enjoyable and effective, <laughs> you know, still working. You know, and of course, we had to put the front line right at the center. You know, our workforce is mostly a frontline based organization. We call them our makers and bakers, and we say that with a ton of affection. Now, we had to invest pretty significantly in health and safety measures to make sure that they were all protected and their teams. And, you know, we found ways to secure vaccines for on-site distribution. You know, we accelerated a global flexible working pledge, which was uh, the term that, that we use, and a well-being program that got really uh, significant legs focusing on, you know, mindfulness and mental health. And as the pandemic continued, it became more strenuous on our people. And we responded uh, to that in a, in a pretty big way. But I think most importantly, uh, the lasting investments were around strengthening how we worked with each other informally across the org. Like many companies, we increased the frequency of our virtual town hall meetings um, to try to keep everybody connected. We encouraged our leaders to have frequent check-ins, probably more than they ever even had previously. And our CEO even started bringing his dog, you know, onto the town halls, you know, which was pretty funny. It sort of started by accident, which was fun. And that sort of created a, a movement for everybody else to sort of be themselves and, you know, bring their true selves to work and I think the role of the CHRO in bringing people together is more important than ever. So we know that we have to understand our customers and know what they're really looking for. And we have to unite our teams to be able to deliver it. So culture is right at the middle of that. And, you know, I've always believed when you can get that right, your people can feel cared about. They can feel connected to the purpose of what you're trying to do. The sky's the limit, and our our progress has been has been shown that. I understand you're in the first year of the next stage of your Vision 2030 growth strategy. Love it if you can uh, share more with listeners about Vision 2030 and specifically the role that HR is playing to help enable this growth and and, and enable this strategy as well. Yeah, I mean this is an exciting time around Mondelez. You know, hitting uh, ten years. I mean, a lot of our brands have been around forever, a hundred years or more, and through different acquisitions in our our history, came together and created what is now known known as Mondelez. But um, to have success since 2018, sort of year over year, we've got growing momentum, and so to be able to put out a vision for 2030, it's pretty exciting. And we've got four very clear 
uh, pillars and, you know, culture and sustainability are key as part of that. But the first one is all about growth, not surprisingly, right? Accelerating growth and focusing on our portfolio on, you know, 90% of our revenue and our core categories, which as you heard, you know, from our brands I mentioned are around chocolate, biscuits, uh, big snacks. The second is all around execution. And um, we're investing more than a billion dollars to become the digital commerce snacks leader, which is a nice old ambition aiming to deliver 20% of revenues from digital channels um, by that, that 2030 date. And then around culture, which is the third pillar, strengthening the company's local market, you know, we think local first operating model to make sure that we're empowering all of our colleagues, that we're promoting this growth culture that we talk about, and we're continuing to build a team of deep and diverse talent who can deliver on this, on this strategy. And then the fourth pillar, important one around sustainability, helping to drive the positive change at scale across our company, focused on environmental governance uh, priorities, creating you know, long-term value for the business and for all of our stakeholders, right? That's a, a big, important piece of what we do. And to enable the strategy over what we say is, you know, the next decade, you know, we're focused on building this team of deep and diverse talent, you know, as I mentioned, it's a big a growth enabler for us. You know, we're doubling down on programs in uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, right, DEI, and including things like mentorship for leaders and getting really behind in every market across the globe, our investments in early career diverse talent recruitment, you know, bringing in the next generation that's going to you know, lead this company. And then additionally, we're expanding investment in top talent programs, rigorous processes around planning for the workforce, right, around succession and skill sets that we know we're going to need. And we all know our colleagues are more and more hungry around career growth, development, and we actually have a measure at Mondelez that uh, looks at sufficiency around talent. I'd say maybe the other area we're investing in is around this future forward growth capabilities, mostly around commercial. We're launching a bespoke, we actually already launched it, a general manager academy. And the reason that's important is because we're focused on commercial excellence, but we're focused on how that brings end-to-end -end capability. Right. In order to really unlock opportunities in this day and age, we have to work cross functionally between, you know, sales and planning and marketing and operations. And that's a, a big pillar around future growth capabilities. You know, there's a component of our strategy that has certainly focused on organic growth, but there's also an inorganic uh, component. So being good at acquisition work and being able to extract the value and have it be harmonious into the bigger Mondelez family is something that we've been very focused on. Huge, huge agenda. So an exciting, exciting time to be part of the company, but part of the HR function that's helping deliver on Vision 2030 as well. Let's pause for a short moment while I tell you a little bit about the sponsors of this season's podcast. TechWolf helps large organisations understand the skills of their workforce through AI-based skill inference, inferring skills from employee data. TechWolf provides an instant, continuous, and real-life objective skills overview of the skills you have, the skills you need, and the gap in between. Are you looking for insights into how companies like Booking.com, Alliance, BP, GE Healthcare, HSBC, and Ericsson are adopting a skills-based approach across their entire organization. 
Follow customer journeys and learn how these companies are transforming into skills-based organizations and preparing for the future at techwolf.ai. That's techwolf.ai. Welcome back to my conversation with Paulette Alviti, where our discussion now focuses on the impact of the Mondelez Vision 2030 strategy on HR's operating model. It would be quite good to understand how, obviously, the significant plans on, on growth and some really big changes that, that the company's going through. How's this changed your operating model um, in terms of how, how you're working as an organisation and how you're working in, in, in HR as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned a little bit earlier this idea of local first. We actually use the term local first, but not local only <laughs> as a way to sort of talk about where our priorities are. And it's all grounded in the consumer and the teams that are closest to the consumer. We're organized uh, around business units and anybody above a business unit basically exists to enable their their success right in, in local market. You know, we sell products in 150 countries around the world, and a lot of the brands represent what we call it a taste of the nation, right, in countries where, where we sell them. It's critical that we stay close to those customers and on top of those local issues and those trends. So this model makes sense for us. The talent philosophy as part of that is centered around putting the brands and consumers at the forefront, right, aligning our rewards. We have strategic key performance indicators around the company that have to reflect the unique needs and demands of the local market. And at the same time, we're providing rich career experiences to our colleagues in this, in this model. So while we need to enable, you know, local, our teams want to be part of a broader enterprise that also creates uh, opportunities. But this commitment to this local empowered culture has really allowed us to get much closer to our retail customers who sell our products the individual families who consume them. And at the same time, part of our culture focuses on the not lo local only part, ensures that, you know, we have a company-wide focus on our mission and our values. And, you know, simply stated, we're aligned in making the right snack, the right moment, made the right way. That's sort of our, our, our governing principle around our mission. And looking ahead, we're going to continue to strengthen this operating model. We think it's been a differentiator for us. A component of that is empowering our employees to get behind what it means to enable a growth culture. It's all, it's all about them and their contribution to be able to help us do this. And interesting, you, you've mentioned quite a few times, you know, the, the flexibility that, that you're increasingly offering uh, the workforce and the fact that most of your team, your employees are actually don't have the luxury of being able to work from home. Like, you know, the big topic that we hear about at the moment is hybrid work. But the reality for many organisations is a significant proportion of their employees don't have that opportunity. They're working in factories, in, in warehouses, in, in, in you know, or with directly with customers. I'd be, I'd be intrigued to 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 hear how you've approached that as an organisation. For example, how you've create equity when some of the workforce is potentially working hybrid and, and others don't, and even where you've got people working maybe more virtually. Versus some others that are maybe in an office more, um, and they're part of the same team. How you how you create that equity um, across the team and across the organization? Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, we've been talking a lot about, you know, this discussion on equity in general, right? I mean, it's just in really intensified over the last few years, you know, what you're referring to, David, is one example of that, right? And as business leaders, you know, around the world increasingly recognizing, you know, the role that the private sector can play an important role in building a just and equitable society on all these these different dimensions. So I think it's important to frame up the conversation by underscoring you know, that increased representation of historically underrepresented groups is a part of that story. You know, achieving true equity, you know, requires building a culture that really leverages the benefits of diversity. And we firmly believe that. We talk a lot about what that means at the, the consumer uh, and why our teams need to look like our markets. You know, and it needs to be a place where our colleagues feel comfortable bringing their unique ideas, their perspectives and experiences to the table. So it's not just diversity, it's the inclusion side of that or, or else you don't get the, the benefit. At Mondelez, we're building the culture in a, in a number of different ways. Yeah, yes, we're trying to meet the changing needs of the frontline workforce, yes, and our office-based teams simultaneously. And I can maybe give a couple examples of what we're doing. So, you know, we have a, a global holistic employee well-being program that we <laughs> launched about 18 months ago that we feel uh, really good about, and it was well-timed. It does include this focus around a flexible working pledge and what does that mean so that we all support each other. And then, you know, as you were talking about, you know, the front line and those that aren't, aren't able to have the same type of flexibility, there's other ways that we've been supporting them, right, um, around employee assistance programs in particular, helping to get better at this whole wellness topic and break the stigma around mental health challenges. And we offer a, a broad range now of educational programs and training tools to help colleagues uh, address what we say is sort of, you know, mind and body and also connection. We've also significantly expanded our inclusivity training. This is a big component around equity in general. We've got uh, a couple thousand of our leaders already uh, across the enterprise engaging in understanding how their how their leadership activities really uh, have an impact in advancing diversity and especially inclusion. And we have a robust set of programs and practices to expand the pool of our diverse talent. I mean, a couple examples at Mondelez, we have um, a goal to ensure gender and racial diversity on all of our hiring slates. And I'll share kind of an interesting fact, but in 21, uh, we over-indexed by almost two to one ratio of the percentage of women hired versus the percentage who were screened for the open positions. Basically, that means we have an orientation of leaning in, and when we have qualified female leaders, we're hiring them. And in the U.S., a couple of things that we're doing, we're partnering with the Thurgood Marshall College Fund, where we offer financial assistance to really outstanding students attending one of its member schools. That includes 47 of the publicly uh, supported uh, HBCUs, you know, historically black colleges and universities and predominantly black institutions. And we're also a lead national partner for the Boys and Girls Club of America's Youth of the Year program. Wow, lots of great examples there, Paulette, on you know on on inclusion and diversity and and and, and culture and and well being prior to that as well. And um, when we when we um, spoke a couple of weeks ago, we 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 talked about how you know obviously 
from a business level, you're looking at digitizing, I think it was at 20% um, of your business, you know, as part of the Vision 2030 program. We know at work, we're using more and more digital tools all the time. I'd love to understand how, what role technology is playing in, in digitizing the employee experience for, for employees at, at Mondelez. When I joined their company, we kicked off a pretty big journey around enhancing and modernizing and supporting leaders with our HR operating model to enable a great employee experience. And, you know, we have a new global human capital management system that we put in place and we moved to a shared service HR operating model, a further enhanced uh, service model. And you know, interestingly enough, we did that in the middle of year one of COVID. So that was not an easy feat to do that globally across all of our countries. But uh, it was an important commitment to, to help get a big step in the right direction around what does it mean to have a really great employee experience. And the tools and technology are, are a big, obvious uh, piece of that. So this is a, a transformation that's many years in the making, but focus on, you know, simplifying our core people processes, right? The things that all managers have to engage in just to do the annual things that keep our, you know, our people leadership processes going. And we're trying to give more time back to our managers. Technology can help us do that. So the least intrusive high effectiveness that we can create in the tasks that we ask of our managers is a huge unlock for them. I think the whole world is struggling with how to create more capacity for, for our teams. And, you know, in HR, we, we play a role. We, we own these uh, baseline systems and processes, and we have to make them have better user interfaces. They have to be more intuitive. The knowledge access to, you know, policies and practices and step-by-step -step instructions to make things really easy is a big, big task for us in a company the size of Mondelez. So our teams in India created some new digital uh, tools. They've got new apps that they've been able to put in place where if you're in a distribution center or you're working in one of our bakeries, uh, as an example, you don't always have the opportunity, you know, to work on simple things, you know, to check on payroll or to make different requests or to, you know, use some of the benefits that we afford our people. And these benefits exist for the front line. And yet they're the ones that have the most difficulty being able to access them through technology. So uh, our team in India did a great job. They came up with a brand new app that sort of automates a lot of these things in local um, uh, Hindu and English language. And it's just been a big unlock for the front line. So we need to keep going in that direction and do more and more of that. Um, the other place that I think is going to be exciting for, for us in the future is how we use virtual reality. And, you know, it's in its infancy stage at our company. Um, but we've had some early wins using this VR technology in uh, places like onboarding, which uh, when you're trying to optimize people's time, uh, be wary of how much travel people are doing, um, whether that's for health reasons or cost reasons, all these things that we've been trying to manage. We were able to build um, some real personalized experiences using, you know, the virtual headsets for onboarding. And for us, that's pretty important because this is who we exist to support. Again, back to this local first model. So getting people out, experiencing what it feels like in our tech centers and our operating centers. Um, we think there's some real, real merit here. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. If you are looking to continue your learning journey, 
head over to myhrfuture.com and take a look at the My HR Future Academy. It is a learning experience platform supporting HR professionals to become more data-driven, more business-focused, and more experience-led. By taking our short assessment, you will see how you stack up against the HR skills of the future. Then, our recommended learning journeys guide you every step of the way, helping you to close your skills gap, deepen your knowledge, and press play on your career. Well, we talked about skills and, and, and obviously one of the pillars of the of the Vision 2030 people strategy is building and accelerating the capabilities of, of your employees and managers across a whole gamut of, of, of skills. How are you going about understanding the skills and capabilities of, of your current workforce versus the capabilities that you need in the future? Um, and how does that support your, you know, your talent acquisition strategy, but maybe also how does it support your merger and acquisition strategy as well? So we're, I mentioned a little bit earlier, some of the commercial uh, growth capabilities that we've been getting behind. That's one of the main areas, investing in technology and continuous learning programs, certainly. Some of the biggest investment areas um, to drive these future forward commercial capabilities are, I mentioned agile, creating these agile processes to get simpler ways of working. That's uh, important. I mentioned a little bit about, you know, these uh, commercial areas, this general manager academy that that we've built, um, teaching this end-to-end excellence. And what was really cool about building a bespoke program like that is, you know, a lot of the expertise on how to do things well within a company are taught best by the people who are great at it in the company. <laughs> and sometimes that's hard to do because the the folks that are running the business don't always have the the time to do that. And I'm really pleased as we've been talking more and more about our culture and the investment of, you know, leaning in on building out capabilities, creating time for our people for learning, for education, for breath experiences and our leaders carving out a little bit more time to invest in sharing their expertise so that the organization benefits from it. And so this general manager academy was exactly an example of that where we had, you know, general managers with expertise in different markets around the globe coming together and say, you know what, in Brazil, this is the best practice example. We're, we're going to focus here or revenue growth management in a market in the UK, as an example. And how do you take the best of what Mondelez global capabilities are and be able to lift and shift them? And through education and skill building, it's a really powerful way to do that. I mentioned this, this big focus around digital and the investment that we're making uh, behind it. With that is um, some work that we've been doing that we launched this year around an enterprise digital learning hub, which is does a couple things. One, it, it's a resource for tremendous skill building. We've got 1,100 plus programs now that thousands of our people have been enrolled in. And there are you know, three to seven courses within each of those programs, and it may take them a couple months to complete. But we've got you know, 2,500 courses being offered across all of our business units and our functions. 
And they do a, a couple things. One, they're focused on the transformation initiatives that are underway. You know, if we're going to make investments behind new tools, well, we need to adopt them. We need to use them. We need to sunset the old ways of doing things. And so we have to be really mindful and serious about uh, everybody getting the skill building that they need to deliver that. And then the other is our colleagues want to be learning beyond that. They want to be exploring what does digital commerce mean, even if I'm not in a commercial role. So having the access to how cross-functionally having certain departments understand the levers and the expertise in the functions that they also work with has proven to be a pretty big unlock back to this end-to-end -end capability building that we've been investing in. And this is all through kind of this digital uh, learning acumen hub that we've been building. What role is data and, and people analytics playing in that? Is, is, is the data that you're collecting maybe around skills supporting things like workforce planning and, and as you said, career pathing and uh, succession planning within, within Mondelez? Yeah, I mean, for, for our HR professionals, I mean, we have a whole learning strategy for our own function. And sometimes, you know, it's the shoemaker's children sort of story. We were so focused on supporting the organization uh, through the pandemic that last year we decided we need to we need to double down on our HR skill building. And we put a, a series of programs in place that I'm actually really proud of from high potential programs to these uh, digital programs we have to uh, new programs for, you know, different uh, hubs in our function, whether you're a people leader or you're in our shared services model, uh, a lot of new programming. But uh, underpinning across all of that is the use of data and using data to actually form insights that can affect better decisions in our local markets. And, you know, we had probably like many of your listeners with the investments behind new HCM enterprise solutions and onslaught of data that a lot of companies didn't have, a lot of people teams didn't have. And so we've spent the last year trying to harness that, trying to, you know, get smart with dashboards so that we don't get lost in too much data, you know, that can happen. Um, so trying to teach our own HR team around how to use that data, how to apply it for problem solving, and to use it in strategic ways that align to what's happening in your business. Now, I know you're only one year into the Vision 2030 people's, people's strategy, uh, Paulette, but I'd love to, love to hear, and I know, I'm sure our listeners would as well, have you seen any results so far? And if so, which ones can you share with, with listeners? You know, I think what's nice about the Vision 2030 is, you know, we didn't come out with, you know, here's a whole bunch of new new priorities. It's been a, a continuation, right? We've gained confidence in these strategies because they have served us well, you know, since we put them in place largely back in back in 2018 into 2019 when we we restructured and we created this local first operating model and we put um, incentives uh, around that model and we talked about our growth algorithm in ways so that everybody understood the levers of the business that needed to be pulled so that we could have a flywheel of investing continuously into the business that would be able to, to propel our growth. So there was a lot that has been, has been foundational in, in what we have set up. And we have embedded some key performance indicators that we talk about everywhere around the organization that are people related. And we continue those. 
Um, one is around engagement. One is around our um, talent depth, our diversity, equity, inclusion efforts uh, around you know women uh, representation, around our black management representation, and we've had we've had some some early wins already. Um, in black management representation in the U.S., obviously where we track that, in 2021 alone, we had an improvement of 60%, which is great. Um, our women in senior management roles, we've been focused on for uh, a number of years, but you know, a couple of years ago, you know, we were only at less than 20% of women in our our senior level, uh, you know, director and above roles, and now we're pushing 40%, which is our our strat plan goal. Our employer brand recognition. So even though Mondelez is 10 years old, not everybody knew who we were. And I remember when I joined the company, you know, we would say things like Monda who. <laughs> and so we had a lot of work to do to be able to have our recognition be as strong as some of the other, you know, CPG companies or other the global, uh, you know, Fortune 200 plus that that our name recognized. And so employer brand recognition became a big part of what we focused on. And, you know, our followership, we've been making improvements, uh, you know, just one data point for LinkedIn, you know, every year, you know, this past year up another 22% alone, doubling our job views, achieving, you know, double digit increases in applications and platform hires. And that says a lot, you know, so we're at a, you know, a point where we compete well in market for top talent, right? That is terrific. Some of our brands and the strength, but our performance of where we were in 2018 to where we are now and, you know, confidence from all of our stakeholders around why we can feel confident that this vision for 2030 is something that, that everyone should have some confidence that we can deliver on. What would be the, the one piece of advice you'd give to your peers or HR leaders uh, and HR professionals listening to, to help them add more business value as, as you and the team are clearly doing at, at Mondelez? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think the power in HR is figuring out how to how to focus on a winning culture, you know, that the culture is designed and lined up to support the business goals. You know, for us, we call that a winning growth culture. It's been something we've been rallying around. But I think really great, you know, HR talent knows how to do that in, in the environment that they're operating with the talent and the, you know, the ecosystem that they're operating in. You know, for, for Mondelez, that's this local empowered culture. And, you know, I've said that a number of times, but that's not something that's, uh, you know, easy to retain and cultivate when there's complexity, you know, in every market <laughs> that you need to contend with. And, you know, we're focused on our consumers and our, our products and we're really, proud of uh, what we deliver to, you know, the consumers and the families who, can, who consume them, obviously. So keeping that front and center as the stewards of culture, you know, those values that I mentioned, we're the ones that, you know, need to keep those front and center. You know, we're FMCG, right? Fast moving consumer goods. It feels like it's moving really fast, you know, and categories and, you know, are changing and tastes of consumers are constantly changing. It feels like there's a lot that continues to change. And, you know, our role is to try to help design organizations and get our teams to think 
one step ahead so that we can be more nimble and we don't miss out on any of the opportunities that the marketplace can bring. And that's been really my rally call to our team. You know, this focus on deep and diverse bench, that's so, so we're ready. You know, we don't want to not be able to take on an acquisition or an expansion in a market or be able to go where, you know, thankfully the category growth is around, you know, the uh, areas that our business that, that we're great at. So for us, that that's a big deal. So that would be my advice, right? Connect, connect your culture aspirations to your business and then think about how nimble you need to be in this changing context of complexity that's been around us for a couple of years and probably is never going back. No, I, it doesn't look like it, doesn't it? Uh, but Paul, that's a great, great piece of advice, I think, there for listeners. How can HR help the business identify and then prioritise the critical skills it needs for the future? You know, I think you need HR leaders that are really in tune with the business. And I think they have to be really, really uh, close to the markets that they're operating in. And for me, I mean, I, I, you heard a little bit about my background. I always grew up in these consumer facing organizations where, you know, uh, HR was always about being a catalyst to drive, to drive the business. You know, if, if you weren't doing that, you were overhead that could be redeployed somewhere else, you know, frankly. So I, I do think that is probably the, the biggest key, you know, having HR professionals who are really, really wired to what's happening in local markets and anticipating what's happening. So what is the war for talent in those geographies? What is the going practice of what certain skills are worth? Knowing and anticipating the capabilities that are going to be required and starting to invest earlier in them, thinking about whether you want to buy or build those capabilities, um, and depending on where you sit in your market and how much you're willing to invest or how big of a priority those are, thinking through that model. And it's probably a combination of both. Some you probably invest in and you start bringing in earlier on and building capabilities that are bespoke to you. Like I was mentioning, our GM Academy would be an example of that. Um, and others where you might not have the luxury of time where you're going to have to like look in the mirror and sometimes help our business partners see that we're behind the curve and we, we need to catch up, right? And that there's things that are moving fast uh, based on what we're seeing in local markets that we have to be able to adjust and get after. Well, perfect way to, to end that there. I love, the, love that quote there about HR being catalyst to, to drive the business. I think that's uh, something we might be highlighting when we, when we promote this episode. So can you let listeners know how they can get in touch with you, follow you on social media, if you do social media, uh, and find out more about um, your work at Mondelez? Yeah, definitely. Please would love our listeners to become part of our, our broader community. So we're on, you know, Facebook at Mondelez International. We're on LinkedIn, Mondelez International. We're on Twitter at MDLZ and on Instagram, uh, Mondelez underscore international, all uh, lowercase. So hopefully we'll be able to include those, but lots, lots of ways to tap into what we're about and, and follow us and, uh, Really enjoyed being part of your podcast, David. It was a good discussion, and uh, I'm glad we were able to share some of the things that we're doing across Mondelez, and hopefully it will be uh, uh, sparking some interest from some of your listeners. I think it will. You're doing some amazing work there, Paulette. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, David. It was a pleasure. Take care. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Mondelez CHRO Paulette Alviti. And thanks to Paulette too for sharing her story with listeners. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any future episodes. And please do share this with your friends and colleagues via social media so others can enjoy the show too. We'd also be really grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The higher ratings we get, the more content we can create. For more from us at Insight222 and to keep up with the latest industry trends, sign up for our weekly newsletter by going to myhrfuture.com. For now, take care and we hope to see you next week for another episode.